0: Well, um, we have been in a series called Family Forward, and so I'm uh, wrapping up that series today, and, but I have a subtitle. So this is um, Family Forward and the Legacy of the Holy Spirit, the Legacy of the Holy Spirit. And so w- what we're talking about is that we're a family, uh, you know we have a biological family and we have a kingdom family, a church family and um, you know your your biological family has some great aspects to it and then you've got those unusual relatives that we don't want to talk about or look at them if they're nudge anybody if one of them's next to you. but look around the room this is your church family. this is your kingdom family. So I know you got some unusual ones here too, but that's This is how God works. And um, I have a new role in my biological family. I took on the role of grandpa, grandfather. (laughs) And I'm 10 months into it, and I'm doing it pretty good, (laughs) if I say so myself. And um, I got this 10-month-old baby, Justice, and she's adorable. And so, um, you know, sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I have some little photos or videos. And I want to show you this one video I've watched 100 times, but check this out. Did you hear her say Papa? I heard that really clear. So if that's not what you heard, I don't want to hear about it. You need to get interpretation of tongues. That was Papa. But uh, it's important for us as we go forward in our life, as we go forward in the God's purpose on the earth that we go forward, understanding that church is not just an organization or an institution. It's a family. The church is not an event that we go to. It's a family where we love each other and encourage each other support each other. And then we go out and bring that to our world. And so, um, yeah, go ahead and clap for that if you want. The last five nights this week, we had Legacy Nights there was, uh, the place was packed and we averaged just under a thousand in here and some nights over that. And, um, I have to say to you, having, uh, planted this church 34 plus years ago, we've never had a series of services in our church in 34 plus years that was similar to what took place this week. And so I'm pumped about it. I'm excited about it. And so, um. How many of you were able to come to at least to one of the services this week? Let me see. All right. All right. Good. Um, You know, uh, uh, I want to to say that um, I want you to be expectant today. I want you to be engaged with your faith. Because I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will come upon you today, come upon this gathering, so that God could do what he wants to do. I came from a movement in the 1970s, 1968, 69, 70, when I was a really young kid. Just so, you know, don't assume I was 30 in 1970. Um, But... It was called the Jesus Movement, the Jesus Revolution. And uh, it was sort of coincided and piggybacked with this charismatic renewal. So it was denominational churches sort of being filled with the Holy Spirit and just broadening what God is doing and reaching people. And it started for me and for Southern California at Calvary Chapel. At that time, the pastors, Chuck and Smith and his wife Kay pastor, there were 90 people on Sundays, about, and then uh, they had a midweek prayer gathering of 30. And so they're just praying and believing God. And and, um, then at the end of this prayer service, Kay stands up and gives this prophetic uh, word. And she said, because of your prayer, GOD'S GOING TO POUR OUT HIS HOLY SPIRIT IN SOUTHERN CALIFORNIA AND THROUGHOUT CALIFORNIA AND THOUSANDS OF TEENAGERS ARE GOING TO COME TO CHRIST AND IT'S GOING TO SWEEP THE NATION. AND SO WHEN SHE FINISHED, THEY WERE LIKE, WOW, OKAY. YOU REALLY WENT OVER THE TOP ON THAT ONE. BUT, YOU KNOW, PRAISE GOD. BUT THAT'S WHAT STARTED HAPPENING teenagers and youth and, and people that were, had sort of dropped out of the mainstream subculture people were coming to Christ, and it was a powerful thing. Uh, that Jesus revolution, in fact, it got so big, and so many thousands of people reached uh, many magazines, the top magazines and newspapers were writing about it. Time magazine had a cover about the Jesus revolution and told the story about how all these people who maybe have never been to church before uh, came to church and coming to Jesus and mass baptisms. And I was there. I wasn't a leader in it, but I was a participant. I was an observer and a participant. And I saw miracles. I saw signs and wonders. I saw people coming to Jesus, people that you would never expect you could even get invited to the church came to the church. Maybe some of them came just to see what was going on with the hippies. Um, and they, people would come to Christ and people were set free from addiction and uh, to drugs and alcohol. And and it was just phenomenal how many people came to Christ. And, and uh, one gathering, we had a Concert uh, on Saturday nights, and there was a couple of Christian bands that would play, and then a preacher would come out, preach the word, and, and you know, hundreds of people would come forward. And after one of them was over, I was up with, a, with this uh, youth pastor, Lonnie Frisbee, and he became a friend to me. But we were up on the platform, and these people came from the back, and they had a, a woman in a wheelchair and said, Could you pray for our friend? And so all of a sudden, he just like Lonnie was like five foot nothing, skinny, long beard like Jesus, long hair, you know, and he was just like step back and he goes, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and, and then she struggles in her chair a little bit and gets, stands up and gets little wobbly legs and then starts walking. Her friends are crying and people are just just blown away by the <laughs> miracles that are taking place. And, you know, in the, in the Bible, in one place, it said, uh, with Peter, unusual miracles took place. Why do you need the word unusual? I think miracles pretty much says it. But this wasn't just normal miracles, unusual miracles. And I think that's what we saw there in many places. And one gathering on a mission trip... We said to this young guy, um, so what did you like best about the meeting today? And he goes, oh, the part I liked was when the shiny men were flying around the room. We're like, what? (laughs) God poured out his spirit in a powerful way. And what took place was one time Lonnie told me that he... uh, wanted to see God move with greater healing, and so he prayed for it. So he goes to a meeting, and he felt like God was saying, God wants to heal you from warts. And he's like, Lord, do I have to say that? He's like, I don't want a wart ministry. I want but he, sp- he spoke it out, and then uh, this woman came up, and she had had warts all over, and she took off her shoe. She had her both feet were covered with warts, and she dumped them out of her shoe of what God did. And some of those things you can't explain and you don't know, but, but I believe that the glory of God in the early days will be greater in the latter days that we're in and approaching. See, and the movement sort of ended, but... Not what God did, because thousands of churches were started through this movement. Calvary Chapel churches, vineyard churches, uh, Bethel, Jesus Culture came up, out from the vineyard and, and the Charismatic Renewal. There were uh, a lot of churches started. Crenshaw Christian Center here in this city was out of that and, and Victory Christian Center and Faith Christian Center and all these churches going on. And by the way, Oasis Church <laughs> came out of this. And so what I want you to take away today is to be expectant of the Holy Spirit, to be expectant in these gatherings, that you're expectant in your life, that you're taking the presence of God and the fire of God out with you as you go to work, as you go in your neighborhood, that you're led by the Holy Spirit, you love people, and believe God for miracles. You know, the reality is Jesus prayed that the Holy Spirit would come. In John 14, 16, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and you'll be, uh, be with you forever. And then in Acts chapter 1, he's with the disciples after he rose from the dead. And he said, he, he said wait. So Jesus gave them this command: do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, for the gift of my Father promise, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he prayed and he said, wait. And then in Acts chapter 2, here comes the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a uh, the blowing of a violent wind came from uh, heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So listen, suddenly a sound. It wasn't a mighty blowing wind. You know, Papers didn't fly all over the room and their hair got messed up. It was a sound. <sighs> like the breath of God moved in that place. And it said um, they... They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so what this indicates is that the Holy Spirit in a previous season would be on one man, a priest, a prophet. He would be on the, the gathering of people. But in this moment, the fire of God separated, and each one of the 120 in this room, there was a fire, a flame of fire, or something that looked similar upon them, indicating uh, the Holy Spirit is now going to be with all of you. The Holy Spirit is now going to empower you and use you. No one is more special to God. You have that same fire of God with you. If you will believe him, if you will be engaged and expectant for God to use you. And so then. um, Thank you. If you need me to wait for you, go ahead, you know. Um, Now, look at this. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So what first happened was in a room at 120, and then it spilled out. They heard something going on. And Pentecost is significant because Pentecost, in, in our tradition, is like 50 days after Easter, seven weeks we celebrate it um, after Easter. So uh, it was the Passover. Fifty days later, Pentecost, this harvest. So Jews from all over the place, the city was filled with people. And then it spilled out of the building into the streets. It moved from a room to the streets, from the family to the city, from the city to the nations. So then it says, amazed and perplexed, they said to one another, what does this mean? Amazed and perplexed means, wow. But I have questions. (laughs) Wow, this is incredible, but I'm confused, amazed and perplexed. And that's how God does sometimes is that we don't understand all that he's doing or why he's doing it the way he's doing it. But the Holy Spirit came and started filling people and starting this movement that Jesus prayed for. He prayed. He said, wait. Now here it is, here it comes, and then it's going forward because it's spreading into the streets, spreading into people. And I had the uh, honor, the opportunity to be in Jerusalem last year, and I stood on those steps. There's only one set of stairs that could be leading into the temple, that all the people could be welcome until they were cleansed and then gone into worship. And that's where Peter proclaimed this and preached to people. And I just stood there going, wow, this is amazing to be in this spot. Said some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people mock things and make fun of things they don't understand. And so there was people that got excited and people that laughed at them or mocked at them. And, you know... The, uh, I like what Samuel Rodriguez said this week. He said, "I'm wired, but not weird." You know, the Holy Spirit is weird, but uh, is not is wired, but not weird. And so we add that, you know, weird part because that's how families are. So then uh, it says, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the cloud, the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Every good preacher throws in a one-liner every once in a while, a little humor to relax people. No, this is what was spoken. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So this is describing something that was promised and prophesied years and years ago by the prophet Joel. And he's like, Jesus prayed. Then we waited. Here he came. This is that which was promised. So here we go. We're moving forward with the plan of God. And I want you to know, never underestimate. Never give up on the prophetic word based on the word of God for your life. You might have to wait. It might not come the way you thought it would. But keep going. Keep trusting God. Keep believing God. Because his spirit will be poured out. And I think about Los Angeles. I don't know what people think around the world. You know, uh, every once in a while somebody say, well... You're in Hollywood in LA, I pray for LA. I I take it personally. I go, thank you so much for all your prayers. We're like a mission field, you know? And, uh, but people might think of Hollywood and fame and fortune and immorality and self-focused and narcissism and and whatever they might think. But when I think of LA, I think of churches filled with people (laughs) worshiping God, full of the presence of God, undeniable that spills out in the streets and communities are changed because of the power of the Holy Spirit. A movement of God is when God moves and we see results that are better and bigger than our efforts. It's not like, oh, we sang the right song or we prayed the right prayer. It's we pray a little prayer and he answers big. This is the third time i preached it and I'm getting a little excited right now. I like this message. So this week we were in the middle of the service of worship and Michael Murphy, one of the pastors that we know, Elisa's dad, he leaned forward and he, he said, you know, this church was built in 1927. And he goes, I just wonder when the last time was that there a place was packed with people with God's spirit felt like this in this moment. And I don't know the answer to it, but he said, then isn't it interesting to consider maybe this building was built in 1927 for this season right now. Now, I'll take that. I like that vision. And so, now, the outpouring requires moving forward as a family. So when I told you about the Jesus Revolution, it... it, Resulted in hundreds and thousands of churches being started. In this one, there is a big blowout. 3,000 people were saved, miracles. And then at the end of Acts, they describe to you the new family life, the family forward picture. How do they go from here? Do they just... Run around in the streets crazy or did uh, something happen? So here's church life, family life. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Not like, ah, that preacher's going to preach again. No, it was was like, ah, wow, God's presence is here. And I'm telling you, God's presence... Overrules every sermon ever preached, every song every <laughs> sang, every problem that you're thinking about. God's presence will melt every part of fear, every hindrance in your life. And so it says that, that they were filled with awe at the many signs and wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread. That's the second time they said they like to eat a lot then. (laughs) In their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And then it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church that began in Acts chapter 2 is now millions of people around the world, millions that have gone on into eternity and it, start, it didn't stay just that one experience in Pentecost where 3,000 people got saved. It moved forward in a movement, in a community of people, the church. And so it's important that you and I learn to honor the Holy Spirit. And I think the Holy Spirit is like that secret God that we don't talk about too much, or, um, you know, the, but the Holy Spirit is God the father is god the son is god the holy spirit is god and jesus said it's better that i go away so the holy spirit can come and on earth jesus said i can only be one place at a time the holy spirit's going to be with each one of you and he will empower you he will lead you he will take you you know it's hard sometimes or or all times to understand the trinity how can they be separate and equal and the same and but it's like a triangle There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Without one of them, it's not a triangle. It's two lines. But they are one and separate. But it's important that you and I don't think the Holy Spirit is some kind of ghost. He's not fire. He's not wind. He's not oil. He's not a dove. He's not... I don't know what else we think the Holy Spirit is. He's a person. He's a person, and the more we understand the ways of God, the more we know the acts of God. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, we read this term to seek his face and seeking God's face. it literally means seeking his presence. I want you to pray with me. I want you to believe with me. I want you to be expectant for the presence of God. Wouldn't it be great if every time we come into this place, you're expecting like, I don't know what's going to happen today because the last few weeks have been crazy with God's presence, but God's presence comes and answers questions. You know, when God's presence is there, the answers are bigger than the questions. When God's presence is there, faith is bigger than our fears. When God's presence is there, peace is greater than our anxieties. God wants one generation to lead to the next generation, and that's why I'm talking to you about this today. If you think about it, you could be 40 years old or le- younger and never have experienced a move of the Holy Spirit like I'm describing. And throughout history, and there have been generations where in Azusa Street and, and Amy Simple McPherson and uh, the, the uh, Jesus uh, Revolution and all kinds of things, but in Southern California, con- continual it seems like God has something for here, and so um, I just w- I don't want to be leaving my time as a pastor, leaving my time on Earth, and the generation I'm related to has no idea about the miracles and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why we're we're pursuing this and believing God for this in our life. You see in Psalm 145 verse four, it says, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. It comes when one generation leads to the next generation and we're moving forward as a family, as a church, experiencing the glory of God. That's why when Peter declared, your sons and daughters will prophesy. It's, it's because it's to be passed on. And I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to be, use people in our church, multi-generational, that the Holy Spirit will come on five-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12, 15, 19, 20, whatever it is, young people, teenagers, adults, seniors, multi-ethnic, multi-generational. Even in Acts, it said, even your servants. So it's like any class of people rich, middle income, poor, whatever it might be. God is calling all of us together, and He's going to do something great through us. In Acts chapter 2, Peter said, This promise is for you and your children, and for all who are afar off, generation to generation. And the last thing that I want to say to you... All right, let me just read one scripture in Judges. You know, Judges tells a little bit about Joshua. And it tells us in Judges chapter 2 that when, Jud- when uh, Joshua passed away and the leaders that he raised up passed away, it was like nothing was handed over. And so in verse 10 it says after the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors that's a clever way of saying they all died another generation grew up and uh, who knew neither the lord nor what he had done for israel and i don't want that to happen in our day i don't want that to happen in our church in this legacy there is a legacy of the holy spirit it has been passed on to us and we're to pass it on and continue seeing what god can do and listen let me tell you something be aware that difficulties will come many times where the our feet are kicked out from under us because we start out with something big God does something great in our life, and then we hit a problem, we hit a trial, we go through a storm. And some of those things will just take you out. But remember, problems come. You know, there's a story that Jesus told a parable in Matthew 13. It's a man who planted wheat, and it grew up. But when it grew up, weeds came with it. And so in this story, he says, well, should we go and try to cut down all the weeds? He said, no, just wait till the harvest is full and the wheat will be used. The, the weeds will die away. And I heard Bishop T.D. Jake say recently, he said he feels like in like that with every blessing comes opportunity for problems. When, you, when there's great growth and blessing, there's an opportunity for envy and jealousy and criticism. And, and so blessings come and problems come. But keep going. Keep trusting God don't think he's left you sometimes problems happen because it's circumstances beyond our control sometimes problems happen because we make stupid decisions and sometimes it's none of that it's the an attack of the enemy because he sees a blessing he sees opportunity for power and so he tries to lie he tries to deceive deceive us and after I'll tell you you know this week was so encouraging to me but after 34 years Apart from the irreplaceable value of seeing people come to Jesus over the years, seeing life change and stories that people tell, one of the greatest accomplishments up to now is the miracle of God getting us this church building. And so that happened five years ago. And I never am, um, I, I'm never comfortable like, Oh, yeah, this is home. I mean, every time I come, it's like, wow, this is amazing. God didn't give it to us for nothing. But at the same time, I'll tell you, the last four years of my life have been the hardest four years of my life. It's been full of sickness and pain and lawsuits and rejection and betrayal and abandonments and sickness. I've been sick more days than I've been healthy. And you, you think, well, God, you blessed us, but what is going on here? And I tell you, you just get back up, you stand up, you believe God, you start declaring his word. God is greater than our enemy. God's blessing is greater than the opposition that we face. Don't settle for the death of your dreams and the death of the promises of God, but prophesy life to what God has called you to. Prophesy life to what God wants to do. We sang a song earlier, just stand on your feet because uh, you're not gonna be able to sit down after this. We sang a song earlier and the bridge gave us a list of names. And I want you to get these lyrics, take a phone shot or something. Some of you should be praying and declaring who God is over the dead bones in your life. But look at some of these words that we sing. You're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior. Go ahead and just stand up in the face of darkness and say, you're my refuge, my hiding place. You're my helper in the face of cancer, in the face of disease, you're my healer. You keep declaring my blessed redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. There's something powerful about declaring the promise of God and who he is that brings life to these dead bones. You're my hope in the shadows. You're my strength in the battle. We need to be declaring that. I'm going to have the praise team come up and we're just going to sing it right now. I want you to imagine the greatest hurts in your life, the greatest problems you've experienced, the oppositions that are in your life. And let's believe our God is bigger and that God's presence will take us to the place he's promised. Come on.